3: We are live right here on Sports Grid, and this is the early line on a Monday morning, our number two, Kevin Walsh and Donnie Ryotside. and We begin with some NFL headlines starting in Pittsburgh, where the Pittsburgh Steelers have hired a new senior defensive assistant and linebacker coach. I think certainly the most overqualified linebackers coach the NFL has to offer. Brian Flores, former head coach, of course, of the Miami Dolphins, still uh, dealing with his lawsuit against the NFL with a couple of teams within the NFL. Donnie, your reaction to Brian Flores landing a job with the Pittsburgh Steelers?
4: it had to be the right job here because most people look at this and not understand how the NFL works but oh look at that Kevin he took any job he could possibly get no he didn't do that it took the right organization It took the right head coach and Mike Tomlin saying hey no egos here you're a really good football coach let's keep you in this game your lawsuit's still going to go on not going to have any effect but I trust you to come on my staff here and we can win some football games that's why it went down there's a respect level saying hey Mike Tomlin goes this guy's a good football coach let me make this phone call because hey I can't offer you the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. position it's been filled I can't offer you the head coaching job because obviously i'm the head coach but i know you well enough to bring you on my staff where you will be a positive asset here i think it works out perfectly because that narrative like aha look he's not even good enough to be a coordinator anywhere. no that wasn't the case at all this is keeping brian flores in football where he can make an impact as a linebackers coach which he's done so many wonderful things with the new england patriots and then being a head coach down there in miami i thought it was a perfect fit overall and the perfect way to say hey look i'm not giving up on the nfl this is just isn't about me and a lawsuit here trying to move you know more african-american yeah. coaches to get jobs i love football i want to be in football And this is a great situation for me and i'm taking it
3: i think for the pittsburgh steelers it's obvious right donnie it's a great move whenever you can bring in a coach of brian flores caliber yes. you do it right and i think you know the fact that it's not just a linebackers coach but senior defensive assistant i'm sure he's going to have mm-hmm. more say than a quote unquote linebackers coach for brian flores though right you talk about Listen, what was the ideal situation? Well, the ideal situation is he doesn't get fired in Miami. He's hired as the New York Giants head coach. There were a lot of more ideal situations than this. But this is, you know, after the way everything played out, Pittsburgh's a good place to be, right? I think alongside of Mike Tomlin, obviously, who's been around a long time now in the NFL, being able to be a part of one of the best defenses in the entire NFL is a big-time boost. But also, Donnie, just the fact that he is able to remain a head coach in the league. The comparisons between Brian Flores and Colin Kaepernick are obvious, And I, I listen, I I make, you know, no bones about this. I absolutely believe that Colin Kaepernick was blackballed by the NFL. Some people disagree. That's not the point of the matter. But it's for Brian Flores, Donnie, to avoid that happening to him, to make sure that he stays in the mix for head coaching jobs in the NFL. I think one of the best things that he could do is remain a coach at any level in the NFL, and with that, he's done that because now, Donnie, there isn't going to be a, ah, he was away from the game for a year. No, not away from the game. He's going to be a part of one of the best organizations in the entire sport.
4: And rehab your image. Not even say he had to do that, but, the, you know, the thought process of the falling out in Miami was, boy, he's really hard to work with, and he's not good within the organization and very stubborn. He goes to Pittsburgh here one year. What are you kidding me? guy came right in you know took his spot here worked like a professional all the way through he was wonderful to be around then right back okay good we're gonna hire him as a head coach again so everything works in brian floyd's favor whether it be the as i said the lawsuit whether it just be staying in football or even if he does have to rehab his image whatsoever like hey he can come into another organization and work with everybody i don't see what the problem is maybe it was just the dolphins that were the problem at this point kevin
3: Yeah, as we bring the radio audience into the fold, appreciate all those tuned in to Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 159, listening to the early line on a Monday morning, Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside here. One other interesting note, Donnie, from the NFL, is the combine right now. (laughs) Well, we might not have a combine, Donnie. Basically, the cliff notes of this situation is the NFL wants to place the players in a bubble for the Combine, and the players do not want to do that. I think it is fair to point to the NFL about how they eased restrictions as we made our way to the postseason and the Super Bowl, and now they say, oh, I think we can you know, pump these back up here for the Combine. It's an interesting development here overall, Donnie. Any thoughts on this situation?
4: It's very interesting, and you brought this up, and I saw it on the rundown, so I wanted to do some little bit of extra timeline on this, and the reason why it makes a lot of sense for the players doing, not just because they're being stubborn, like, I don't want to go hang out with my guys and party, and you shouldn't have any restrictions. It's not that the combine is you know you talk about going into a job interview this is worth millions of dollars not like hey i'm going to get 20 an hour or 30 an hour here this is whether or not i'm going to get drafted 15th overall or 32nd overall which is a massive amount of money it's about having your team there your own doctor there your own strength coach here yeah. your own like psychologist you want with them and the NFL is going like, no no no. none of those guys are going to be around you're on your own here that's what the pushback is here it's not because these guys don't want the restrictions of i can't hang out with mm-hmm. people it's hey i need a job interview i need my team around me here to make sure i get the high highest possible draft position and i'm in the best possible spot i agree with the players in this aspect i really do
3: yeah no it's a really really good you know point by you this isn't you know a couple of guys i ah, just i don't really like wearing that mask it's about exactly. you're now going to put me behind the eight ball in what is you know going to be maybe the most important day of my life i'll tell you this one sneaky you know impact that this could have is teams might do a much better job drafting this year, if you remove the <laughs> yeah. combine, and then they actually have to sit there and watch some tape, Donnie, uh-huh. instead of figuring out, oh look at that forty time. I don't know, guys, hey, look at Jalen Ray out there. Great. Boy, he's good. Yeah, yeah man, Jalen Ray on a Monday. We'll be right back Fun college basketball preview to get to, as well as talking about the impact of Chris Paul's injury on a bunch of markets. But we begin with some college basketball recap. And yesterday I was hosting uh, the first Sunday edition of mm. betting above the rim. And we were talking about the odds to win the national championship. Yeah, at some point, Donnie, going to have to clear that Sunday schedule, jump in the mix. that people were, were already begging for it. They go, hold on a minute. I got to watch K-Dub for two hours, yeah. and I'll get Donnie it for at least 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, people were people were, were asking there. But I was making the point, Donnie, one that we made the other day about, you know, on the radio side of things, that... Juwan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines look like a team that might be able to play their best basketball at the right time. It was a group that had just had a big win against Iowa, and all of a sudden against Wisconsin, they found themselves up at the break. Maybe another win against a pretty good team on the road. And then the second half started to kind of go Wisconsin's way. Michigan couldn't really score anymore. Hunter uh, Dickinson has slowed down. But really, none of that mattered. Despite Wisconsin's 14-point victory over the Wolverines, it was far from the story. At the end of the game, Jawan Howard applies a press to some backups. Factual. Uh, Wisconsin's head coach, Greg Gard, calls a timeout to uh, get his you know, bench players off of uh, press. And obviously that upset Jawan Howard. Now, they get themselves to the handshake line. Jawan Howard is going to kind of storm through this thing. Greg Gard grabbed Howard to try and explain his side of it. Howard, you know, was very, very bothered by that, saying, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. Next thing you know, an assistant head coach from Wisconsin, Joe Krabinoff, is kind of in the mix there, maybe pushed aside a couple of Michigan players. It's a crowded pile. And what you can clearly see, though, is Jawan Howard starts a punch motion, maybe in a, in a minute, ah, it's a bad idea, open hand, Grab, kind of Kravinov's head, goes down, caress, swipe, whatever it was. It wasn't really a punch. You can call it a punch. At the end of the day, though, Donnie, a bit of a brawl breaks out between Michigan and Wisconsin. And Jawan Howard now is the topic of conversation about what is next for the Michigan head coach.
4: Yeah, we're going to talk about next in just a few moments, but you're right. Coming down to the game, look, you have to be leaders of men, and that's what you're doing as a college coach here. You, know, you have the ear of all 12-, 15-year players, and if you're a good college coach and these guys are recruited there, these players will run through a brick wall for you. So let's just you know, take it in compounds where you say, okay, forget about what happened at the end of the game. No players were punching each other on the court, and maybe a timeout and a, a heated rivalry here in the Big Ten. I understand that. But once you get to that line and you put your hands on somebody else or not, You have to set the right example. You can talk it out as adults here because, Kevin, the biggest part of the problem, it wasn't Juwan Howard like throwing the punch or you know the side swipe to an assistant coach's head. It was the melee that happened after that because let's just say you saw these two guys in a hallway after the game. Juwan Howard confronts a coach from Wisconsin, gets a little physical. We know you can't do that. But the sad point about it is there's going to be ramifications, Kevin, not just from the head coaches here, which they're going to get some. Maybe not so much from a Wisconsin perspective, but more of a Juwan Howard. But the players feel obligated. Like like that's your family. Let's just say like, hey, coach is scrapping out here. Let me get involved and punches fly. No punches fly at the end of the basketball game if these coaches don't start you know, intertwining, being with each other, and Juwan Howard reaching out with sort of a uh, half-hearted slap punch and another assistant coach. They walk to the locker room, they're upset, they lost, but they live another day, and nobody gets suspended. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk just a few moments here about Juwan Howard. but the thing I feel worse of is the kid, what did you want the kid to do? Coach is scrapping out here. We're a family. I got to get in there and get involved in it, and now you're going to cost yourself maybe two, three games or even more yourself because your coach started a fight, and you had to come in here and feel obligated to finish it. That was the worst Part about Sunday afternoon to me, Kevin.
3: Look, all in all, right, it was a terrible, terrible decision by Juwan Howard. We can acknowledge, right, Donnie, that, you know, probably Greg Gard should have just let him walk by him, uh-huh. right? And we can certainly acknowledge that the Wisconsin assistant coach did not need to come over and get himself in the mix, and he'll probably catch himself a suspension of some level as well, right? I think there's going to be quite a bit that's levied around. What this does off the bat, though, to this Michigan season is really put it now, uh, you know, up against the wall. You know, the most recent uh, bracketology that we had saw had Michigan as a part of the last four in. Losing by 14 at Wisconsin does not help. Probably not having your head coach for the rest of the regular season Potentially, yeah. you know, because there was a big—it was a big scuffle all of a sudden, Donnie, Potentially missing some key players, also less than ideal. Is you know, Michigan's tournament hopes could have very well just you know gone up in flames by the post-game interactions here with Michigan and Wisconsin. And there's a lot of people though now, Donnie, perhaps saying that Jawan Howard should lose his job. I'll be honest, I was surprised when I saw those claims by people. I'm not defending what Jawan Howard did here. Again, I think the remainder of the regular season suspension, which seems like the absolute bare minimum that is going to come down from the Big Ten and which I anticipate Michigan will accept, is understandable. But I don't know. I didn't watch this, Donnie, and come away saying to myself, Jawan Howard clearly needs to be removed from Michigan. What what was your reaction to that?
4: Yeah, it wasn't like Malice in the Palace back in the day where you knew if like some things were going to have to change because this can't happen again. You know, coaches are gonna get upset in the future, coaches are gonna come in the scraps with each other in the future, and I understand that here. But if we're taking a look, you're right, at Michigan overall, they have five games left in Big Ten conference play. This isn't a team that's you know a Gonzaga out here that's a one seed and say, you know it, maybe they lose. And quite frankly, if Juwan Howard is not on the sidelines you still get Phil Martelli, the old St. Joe's coach, I don't really know if you actually lose much with Juwan Howard not actually being on the sideline, but it's the fact to the matter, as you pointed out, the kids that might lose it here, because you're talking about a Michigan team here, Kevin, 14 and 11 on the season, eight and seven overall. Oh, well, they have five easy games left. Look at who they have left. Rutgers, Mm -hmm. Illinois, Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State to close out. Theoretically, you possibly could lose all five of those games regardless, and now maybe be down your head coach and also some players. But let's get back to the point of what needs to happen with Juwan Howard. I think people are getting a little bit even more upset, Kevin, because we're a very forgiving society. Juwan Howard goes out there, loses his cool, throws a half punch at another assistant, a melee breaks out. What most people wanted to see, and probably Michigan's you know, uh, athletic director and president, if Juwan Howard goes into that meeting and says, first off, mm-hmm. let me you know, explain this. I was wrong here. No matter what happened here, I can't lose my cool. I understand it. There were some mitigating factors of why I did that, but let's be clear, I should not have done what I'd done. Juan Howard sat in a press conference like he was not at fault and he didn't understand why he was getting any flack for anything because somebody put their hands on me and that's how you respond. You can't have that. And that's why the backlash was a little bit more swift. Now, what I think should probably come down here, anywhere. But t- would you be upset if they said, look, you're going to sit down for the last five games, you'll be back for the conference tournament? I don't think anybody would bat an eye on Juan Howard. Surely is going to have a prepared statement today that says, I really apologize for what I had mm-hmm. done here. But no, not losing your job. We're human beings. We lose our cool in certain situations. And if you probably went home after that press conference on the plane ride back and goes, man, I've really messed up here. Let me start making this right here. You, you live, you learn, don't let it happen again.
3: And, and I know that a college basketball, head, a head coach of any level, is held to a higher standard, Donnie. Correct. But also, like, that press conference is, what, 10 minutes after basically this whole thing happens? Mm-hmm. The world we're in a 10-minute window where the tensions were as high as they were that he was going to walk up there and be, not, now listen, that was all my fault. I can't believe I did that. Like, that. that you know what I mean? Like, I just don't feel like that's ever reasonably going to happen there. And I and I have to be honest with you, Donnie. I think a lot of people that are calling for Jawan Howard's job or a lot of the people that from the onset try to say that Juwan Howard wasn't gonna last at Michigan. And I'm forgetting that last year, Juwan like, Howard
4: won coach of the year.
3: I, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah people just—people just, always
4: try to bring you yeah. down. They always try to bring you down. And the first thing you say is, fire that guy. How would you like if you made a mistake and people just telling you, you should be fired from your job? People just like to see the downfall of people. But I think your angle is right there. Oh, Juwan Howard, Penny how did they get those jobs? They didn't deserve it. I hear you on that.
3: Listen, at the end of the day, Juwan Howard was in the Elite Eight last year right? I mean, the guy is actually the reigning head coach of the year from the college, you know, from college basketball. Like, you know, we look at this Michigan roster. Is it underperforming? Yes. But I, part of the reason that it's underperforming is because Juwan Howard has done such a great job recruiting in Michigan. And I'm not, by the way, saying how good of a coach he is, you know, absolves you from all of that. But I think a lot of people are like, I told you it wouldn't work.
2: Nah, it's kind of worked in Michigan. More college talk next
3: Talking college basketball, also, you know, there were some big results over the weekend. Uh, We saw Kentucky against Alabama in a wild game where it looked like Alabama was going to have one of their, we can't miss, we can beat anybody games, and then didn't even have the lead at half and ended up losing uh, nearly by double digits in the basketball game. Auburn lost again, uh, this time to Florida on the road as a three and a half point favorite. Providence was able to eke out uh, a victory. Let me ask you this quick question, Donnie, before we preview some college basketball there. Did you see the committee's uh, preview bracket where, you know, Gonzaga's the number one overall seed. They were kind of, you know, uh, listing out what it would have looked like. I think Gonzaga's portion of the bracket was Gonzaga, Illinois, maybe Texas Tech and Duke, Mm -hmm. something along those lines there. Do you put any stock in this a little month out preview bracket from the committee?
4: I, I don't put a lot of stock in it because you know me, Kevin, like the biggest running joke here is when we start watching the, you know, BCS or a college football playoff show, which is just, you know, mm-hmm. due to get people talking. But you know, the honest first thing I picked up, because I took a look at it here, you know, Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Kansas on that one line, but I start moving my eyes down Kevin to the two lines and the three lines and the four lines. And the first thing I think of is, wow. There is going to be some value to win a national championship this year because if we take a look at Gonzaga, obviously we know how good they are, and Auburn is really good, mm-hmm. and Arizona is good, but we don't get that feeling as one of those like, oh, Kentucky teams, right? Like, oh, they're going to run the table. They're so much better than everybody else. And all you're hoping is if somebody knocks them off. You're taking a look all the way down from one through four to five to eight, and all the way down to, you know, 16 overall. There are legitimate yeah. contenders here that you're going to be able to chance to say hey you know what instead of taking Gonzaga Auburn, or whoever at the top i might take two or three teams around that 9 10 level and Kevin they have a legitimate chance to win a national championship that's what i got from the take of it here
3: my i think my biggest takeaway from the whole thing right was kind of twofold one this is why i took providence at 101 because i know that you know there's a lot of you know numbers that don't like providence i don't care can't offer me a 4 seed at 101. I think you got to get in the mix then. But also, Donnie, Houston, right? Net ranking, fourth. BPI, second. Ken Palm, seventh. And Houston right now, Donnie, they didn't even have as one of the top 16 teams fighting for that five line now for Houston. And they asked them about that. And they basically said, like, they haven't really beat anybody. And by the way, that's not going to be one improved when a double overtime game against Wichita State, whether they won or lost. They did win that game, by the way. Uh, the, the rest of the conference is not going to lift them up all of a sudden here, Donnie. Houston's a really interesting team because 40 to 1 on a team that has so many numbers that love them jumps off the page. But in the same breath, they're kind of a team that's going to probably end up with a pretty difficult path when the bracket is revealed.
4: Yeah, it is. And it's going to be fun to watch it play out. And also keep in mind, like so many times that we look at Kevin, try to equate it to sports. You know, the NBA, just get LeBron in there. He's going to have a seven game, you know, if he gets out of the playing mm-hmm. round, seven game series and let the cream rise to the top. These are one and duns in college basketball. And keep in mind, it's not as if you play these at home, Kevin. You're playing in regional tournaments. You're playing in the Final Four. Each and every time you move on, you get a different venue. Maybe it's one of those, like I call it aircraft carrier, you know, like NRG Stadium down in Houston or playing in Indianapolis. It's tough to get all the way through. But I, by the way, here, quick segment on this now we're talking basketball and if you guys haven't listened over the weekend you know keith and kevin doing a great job here we used to be betting around the rim now it's betting above the rim and the reason why i bring this out it's not to say hey you guys should tune in but funny story yesterday driving around in the car with my 10 year old daughter sitting shotgun let me flip on here it's 10 12 let me, let me, let me see if i can hear uh, some college basketball talk from Dub here on a sunday so he's talking lebron i get it so my daughter says from the passenger seat hey daddy that sounds like the guy you work with and uh, I said, daughter, let me teach you a lifelong lesson here. Superstars don't work weekends, So it was a pretty good story from, uh, you know, driving around. So just to let you guys know.
3: No, I I, know. I, it's it's one of those things where, you know, they, they were like, hey, do you want Donnie there? And I said, nah, you know what, man? <laughs> he couldn't cut the mustard on betting uh, above the rim. Style. Betting around the rim? Maybe you could have been on the show. But betting above the rim, Donnie could, he wouldn't be so able good. to last here. man. Don, I was out there like, basically two sense, hours by sense. myself. Swinging it around, people call me. They go, "Man, I gotta tell you, we gotta start giving Donnie Tuesdays and Wednesdays off, like some others, and just get him out of the mix." You know what I mean? Now let's talk some We're just college basketball for the weekend.
4: At that point, sure, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's some shifts out. Throw the guy life on. raft on Sunday. Struggling? What? I heard, was there a lot of water breaks like during takes and couldn't stretch out enough contests? Hey, I, you guys need no. me. I'll call in. He needs me. I tell you,
3: I tell you this right now. One more, and I should just bang out. Let's get Donnie here for two hours and take away his cough button out there and see how the two hours go. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that would be a tough. With that
4: word on the street from the producers, I heard K. W. Using the "Oh, hey man, throw up as many graphics as you can" because I'm struggling up here, brother. So <laughs> that was just behind the. Scenes. Will my
3: producer Chris Kofsky please <laughs> get in my? <laughs> yeah. Ear? No, yeah. we were all we were all good. We were Head all good. We were, were smooth flying? running. Wow. Jeez, no. Man. Yeah. I started throwing water bottles at the camera to get the attention <laughs> of the people, man. I was like, where's JY? JY just shows up whenever he wants, man. No, no rivalries behind job. the
4: scenes from the producers of out course. here, the technical guys. Co- <laughs> oh,
3: man. All right, I got to just move on. Yeah, Ohio re-packing. State, Indiana. Oh, no. I can't believe you did that. Ohio State, Indiana. Six and a half. You want to talk rivalries, man, in the Big Ten. Ohio State's laying six and a half. Totals 135. Ohio State with a tough loss to Iowa. The Hoosiers now lost four in a row. That it totals interesting, Don, because I feel like Ohio State's one of those groups yep. where... They feel like an over team, right? Like they just played that game against Iowa in the 150s, but Ohio, it feels like Ohio State really just kind of depends way more on the opponent here. So what do you think of the opponent? What do you think of the number at Ohio State-Indiana?
4: Yeah, it, it seems high to me at minus seven because you're talking about two Big Ten teams who are fairly good. But when you take a look at Indiana, I mean, 13th overall in the conference play here at efficiency, which is terrible out of 14 teams. But also you couple that, which is kind of interesting, Kevin, right? You have Indiana, who's terrible in offense, but awesome on defense. Number one in conference play at efficiency here. Now, we're taking a look at both of these teams. The clearly better offense in this game is from Ohio State's perspective. Three overall in conference play at efficiency. But here's the interesting part. You're talking about teams, Kevin, that don't move the basketball up and down the court with a ton of tempo. So if we're going to say I have one team that plays really good defense versus an off or against or with a team I should say of Indiana who is really bad on offense, it automatically swings me over to not the dog in this game and say, hey, well, maybe Indiana just plays good defense and makes some shots, but actually to the under which is listed at the FanDuel Sportsbook at under 135. If I'm going to take that because it comes down to Ohio State and can they make their shots here? Because the one thing that I do like, though, is Ohio State fourth in conference play, Kevin, at make the three-point shot now you take a look at Indiana they're number two in conference play at defending it but the interesting part about this is is number two in conference play at volume from behind the arc is Ohio State number 12 at chasing you off the line out of 14 teams is Indiana so even though they're number one overall in conference on defensive efficiency if you get hot from the three-point line with Ohio State, you're going to get a lot of looks here because Indiana, whether or not they're defending it well, they're going to let you shoot it here. But I still think if we get an average game out of both of these offenses, I think it stays under the 135.
3: They These teams met once already. It's probably the best thing so far on Indiana's resume is the Ohio State win uh, at home, 67-51. to 51. Indiana is a very, like, they're currently, again, a 10 on bracketology, a very yeah. interesting final stretch where they're at Ohio State right now, and their last game's at Purdue. They'll be, you know, considerable dogs in both, but the sandwich is home against Maryland at Minnesota, and home versus Rutgers. Like, do they just need to handle their business where they're favored, and you know, kind of finish up 500 in Big 10 play and everything will be all right there and, you know, does this team need a couple of wins in the Big 10 tournament? Just some interesting stuff to follow as we're getting to that point in the college basketball season. Uh, Certainly want to bring up at least one more game here, Donnie. Baylor, Oklahoma State. The Baylor Bears have been an interesting group to follow uh, throughout this season. Oklahoma State, you know, bang 500. Obviously the down year, having Cade Cunningham you know, now play for the Detroit Pistons here. Uh, Baylor's been a strong team against a number on the road. What do you make of this matchup right here in the Big 12?
4: Yeah, it should be an interesting one. And sometimes here when you take a look at these games, it's really who's available and how much it makes sense here. Cryer and Flagler. Now, Flagler's with the knee injury, you know, the soreness in his knee, missed his last game. We'll see if he plays. And Cryer's been out a while with that foot injury. But if you're just looking at pedigree basketball teams, obviously we can agree. You know, Baylor's a better team overall than Oklahoma State. Now, are they good enough to cover that four and a half points on the road here? Or maybe a total of 134? The one thing I do like, though, is you're going to get some pretty good tempo out of both of these teams here. And also, the offenses really match up here. Now, if we're taking a look, let's forget about Baylor's offense. Number two overall in efficiency in conference play is very good. The side I want to focus on here: there's ten teams in conference play here in the Big 12. You know who's seventh overall in efficiency is Oklahoma State. Effective field goal percentage eighth, so it doesn't work all that well. But sometimes we talk about it here so many times, Kevin Styles make fights. As I said, there's ten teams in this conference. You know who's dead last at volume from three point range? That's Oklahoma State. And the reason why this matches is up is because Baylor is third at chasing you off the line. So, how many times do we look at some of these like, hey, what makes sense here? We don't want to shoot the three. We won't let you shoot the three. So, you move it inside. Now, point. Distribution is a very key metric that I like to look at. Numbers three in conference play at scoring inside the three-point line, Kevin, is Oklahoma State. Number two in conference play at letting you score inside the line, that is the Baylor Bears defense here. So we don't want to shoot threes. We want to score from inside the arc. That's a pretty good matchup here against Baylor. So if you're looking overall at this game, maybe a total makes some sense because you could, should get some tempo. And even though Baylor plays pretty good defense, they're vulnerable inside the arc. I think it might make a little bit of sense here.
3: In the way that we mentioned, you know, the worst loss for Ohio State was that drubbing from Indiana. Similarly, you know, Baylor lost at home as a 14-point favorite to this Oklahoma yeah. State team there. So, revenge will certainly be on the mind. This is a Baylor team that has been tremendous against the spread on the road in, in Big 12 play. Up next, we're talking Chris Paul, maybe done for the regular season. The impact on
2: the Phoenix Suns and the rest of the NBA, next.
6: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: All right, folks. We are back right here on the early line talking to Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. Big-time news for Chris Paul, as he's now going to miss six to eight weeks with a thumb injury. The first thing to hit is, of course, this was a guy that I made a big-time case for to make MVP. And I really did believe in that case. But just like it's played out, you know, in recent history, injuries impact this award. They always do. Kevin Durant was hunting down, at the time, the favorite Steph Curry. Until injury, you know, knocked him all the way back. Who sit at to 65-to-1. Chris Paul not even on the board anymore. Oof. There is a reason that when we made the case, we talked about, hey, take a piece of Devin Booker for a bit of safety, Donnie. But uh, I will say my attempt to find a cash out option uh, that, that well that didn't work out. I don't know how others do it, but Chris Paul now out six to eight weeks for the Phoenix Suns.
4: Yeah, it sounds devastating the way it is, but also keep in mind thumb injury. Broken bone, that's going to heal. Shouldn't have any, you know, downside effects of this. It's not a knee injury, Achilles. And also, let's keep in mind, as we started the show today, saying – you know, you might look at it right now like, man, they're going to have the number one overall seed, but that's not really what's important here when you get down to it in the in the NBA playoffs. It's getting your best players healthy at the end of the season and playing good basketball. And I said, maybe this is a ray of hope because if it was like a Devin Booker got the injury, hey, shooter and, you know, young kid, really, you know, getting off in the NBA, so be it there. But you're talking about the same way we talk about LeBron James, where you say the Lakers right now are under 500, but if the Lakers make it to the playoffs with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, healthy in a seven-game series that we all know in the first round of the playoffs stretches out like three weeks. They'll be rested and ready every single night. It's the same way I take a look at the Phoenix Suns here. They're a very good basketball team, even without Chris Paul. But make no mistake about this here. I mean, Chris Paul going off for like 20 and 15 every night and running that offense. That's the reason why the Phoenix Suns are sitting at the top of the heap in the NBA. Sure, good basketball team. Devin Booker, great. Good head coach. I understand all of that. But the engine that makes the Phoenix Suns go was Chris Paul, and him being down for six to eight weeks is going to mess with their team totals and mess with their standings. But if you're going to tell me right now an an elderly, as I like to say kindly, as I'm 44 years old, uh, you know, getting that break down the stretch, I think this might be a really good thing for the Phoenix Suns, Kevin. So I think there's a number of
3: ways that this can go, right? The – I've always said, Donnie, when he landed in Phoenix, right – because he was healthy in Houston, and he was healthy in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And I'm like, at some point, right, he's probably going to be injured in Phoenix. Because that's just the way Chris Paul's career had gone. You know, the yeah. Houston Rockets might have won an NBA championship if Chris Paul did not get injured, as, right, as, right as you're mentioning right there, Dolly. But he's been very, very healthy in Phoenix. Now, this is a, you know... Is it somewhat fluky? He's had, you know, I think some history with the hand before. But all in all, perhaps taking a beat, right, Donnie? Something that, you know, you have that timeline on. There certainly can be some positives to that. But there's a lot of different things at work here, right? When we talk about this Phoenix Suns team and the way it's going to impact them. And I want to unpack all of that. Firstly, and we're going to hit these probably throughout the uh, next two days here. Updated regular season win totals. On the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's a couple of these that I'm very intrigued by. Yesterday on BATR made the case on Annette's under. There's a lot of different stuff we'll get to. The Phoenix Suns Donnie had opened up at 62 and a half, which on its face looked a little bit disrespectful. They would have had to go 15 and 9, I believe, in their final 24 games. The way that they were playing, in what world were they not gonna go 15 and 9? The number ballooned up to 64 and a half. Chris Paul injury removed from the Fanbul Sportsbook. Now, I know this is somewhat of a difficult question without, you know, it's not an NFL schedule. Oh, it's an NFL team going to go. Ah, 10 and 7. Look at the games here. 48 and 10, yeah. though, Donnie. 24 games left. What is the expectation now from the Phoenix Suns? Do we, you know, 12 and, and 12 the, the rest of the way? A 500 ball club there? What's that expectation look like?
4: Yeah, the expectations should be better than 500 here. Now, again, I preface this by saying they're not going to be as good because obviously when you take a guy as good as Chris Mm -hmm. Paul off of that roster, you can't possibly say, hey, we're going to play better than we did before. That's not the case, but also keep in mind – this team, even though they didn't win a championship, still has a championship pedigree. We made it to the finals last season. We had a 2-0 lead and you know let it go by as Giannis took over in the finals. But then you take a look at the scene, there's no downfall. Like, oh man, that that you know we're tired. We made it to the NBA finals last year. Now we're bored. It's hard to get back. They had to look where they mm-hmm. expected to get back. And I still think that's going to be possible. Is it going to hurt Chris Paul not being on that basketball team? Yes. But they're still much better than the average team in the NBA. And average in the NBA is what, a 500 record? They should be better than 500 down street stretch, even without Chris Paul here, Kevin.
3: I I think so as well. And I do believe that this is going to create a legitimate opportunity for Devin Booker in the MVP market. Devin Booker has now moved up to 20-1 to 1 to win the MVP. Now, he's not going to be able to win this award at 60 wins, but if they get to 65, And then Devin Booker can say, no, look, I have been the star. And here's the thing, Donnie. If they do get the 65 wins, he's going to be averaging 30 points per game, right, during that run there. I mean, it's going to require some great basketball from Devin Booker in order to push them there. So that, I think, is one of the immediate impacts, and we've seen that already reflected here on the odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook, right? Now, the other interesting thing, though, is how their odds have shifted for the NBA championship and for the Western Conference. This team had moved to their own line. They've now been joined once again by the Golden State Warriors. Plus 170 for the West, plus 410 for the entire NBA championship. If Chris Paul misses eight full weeks, he's going to miss at least one playoff game. Now... Can they survive without Chris Paul in the full playoffs? No. Could they survive a game, two? It depends on the opponent, Donnie. But there is a very, very real chance that the Phoenix Suns' first-round opponent is
4: the Los Angeles Lakers. No, it's a good point you bring up, too, because also if we're looking from a Phoenix Suns perspective, right, it's a two-pronged attack, because I like where you're going, always thinking down and say, what could possibly happen at the end? We're taking a look at like a worst-case scenario. Let's just happen if he's a quick healer and comes back. And also keep in mind, you know, Chris Paul is a scorer, but more of the um, the brains of the organization on the court, getting him back here, even if his thumb isn't all the way healed, just having him there is going to make a big difference in running the offense and getting the guys appropriate on shots. But it's interesting to think about where – Maybe he does, or, you know, I'm thinking positively, right, Kevin? What happens if he has a setback in this and he misses the entire mm-hmm. first round? You're taking out a high seed that might be able to technically not be a high seed because all the players aren't there. The second question I want to bring up in this, which is very interesting, because immediate thoughts here, Chris Paul goes down. Oh, boy, they're going to be a 500 basketball team. You know, they're going to lose seeding. This isn't a team that we look at right now, Kevin, with the Phoenix Suns and they have a two-game lead over the Golden State Warriors or Memphis Grizzlies. As we sit today, a a six-and-a-half-game lead. So my question right now is, to be honest with you, I don't think they relinquish that top overall seed. I don't think Phoenix is now going to lose and be like, hey, we're going to win. 30% 30% of our final remaining games here and slip back to the fourth seed at this point. I still think, as of right now, even with the Chris Paul injury, that they stay on the one line in the West. Do you think there's a chance that A, the Golden State Warriors sitting six and a half games back, or B, the Memphis Grizzlies sitting eight games back are going to catch them? I still think Phoenix is quality and I think they stay on that one line.
3: It's such a good question because it's important for a number of things around the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. Because I think whomever is the one seed, Donnie, should be favored in the Western Conference, right? Yeah. The Golden State Warriors' win total is 56 and a half. Now they're going to have to certainly play some very, very good basketball if they were going to get to fit to mm-hmm. 57 wins. Right now, 42 and 17. The one little added boost, though that could potentially come from this now, Donnie, is a target, right? For Golden State, it's always about health. For most contenders, Donnie, it's about health. Golden State doesn't really have that right now. I have no idea when Draymond Green is going to play basketball again. Did he secretly retire to be a commentator and didn't tell anybody? I don't know. But at some point, you would anticipate he comes back but if all of a sudden, Don, because again, that's a very strong record for the Golden State Warriors to finish over, you know, their final 23 games there to, you know, win 15 of those games. 15 and 8, I believe they would need to go. The question to me is if all of a sudden they can find themselves two back of Phoenix... They start to make that push. And it's a little bit of an incentive there when we talk about their over 56.5 win total right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But ultimately, I still think 6.5 is a lot. Because here's the other thing, Donnie. Just look, basic strength of schedule right now based on win percentage remaining. Golden State, 7th toughest. Phoenix, 25th. So I think the Suns have a very good chance, as you're saying there, to stay afloat. Six and a half games is a really, really uh, legitimate head start there for them. The other point I wanted to bring up, though, uh, or no, no, go ahead. I wanted to bring up something else on the Suns' uh, ATS book. Yeah, ahead. I was
4: just going to say like quickly on that because it's almost like that galvanizing force, right, where if you take a look at the Phoenix Suns, like, hey, they don't think we're any good anymore without Chris Paul. You can use that, whereas maybe the Golden State Warriors would be like, hey, man, we'll catch you guys in the playoffs. We're not going to spend a lot of energy mm-hmm. passing you here in the standings to get the one seed when maybe we could have taken some time off here to play some of those games with our superstars not getting all those minutes. So I think it was a pretty good point you brought up there of how that season will end.
3: The last thing I wanted to bring up is what – will the Phoenix Suns spreads look like? And I think we've got a great first game for a test case here. Probably the first, you know, three are very interesting, Donnie. Because the Phoenix Suns, so for reference, the Golden State Warriors team that won 73 games in the regular season covered at about a 56% clip. This current Suns group is at a 55% clip, right? So a little bit off, but it just kind of gives you an idea. But the Suns, again, Donnie, when you talk about They win over 80% of their game. So they're a team that wins and does not cover a good bit here. No Chris Paul at Oklahoma City. I mean, Don, if you're guessing, what does that number look like there? Game number one for the Phoenix Suns off the All-Star break.
4: Still got to take a look at, you know, who you're playing up against because the Oklahoma City Thunder is still an eighteen and forty ball club going against the best team forty eight mm-hmm. and ten. If I'm setting that line, I still have to put it in a mid range margin because you're you're going to get Phoenix Money regardless going against a bad team. And maybe you say Oh, well, now Chris Paul, we'll see what happens. But also keep in mind, this isn't a surprise, Kevin. The reason why I'm prefacing, because I like the fact that you said, Hey, in that first game back, you had a week off here. The team knows they're gonna be without Chris Paul. It's not a surprise he got injured the night before. And, oh my goodness, we don't have the game plan set in place. I would go Phoenix minus five in
2: that
3: game yeah I think I think if it's five I think a lot of people would still probably be betting Phoenix just again it's a tough reference point they played in Mm -hmm. Phoenix eh, about a month or so ago and it was 16 like the Suns were laying so here's the other interesting thing to remember right the last two games for the Suns they were laying you know Touchdowns against teams, and each time Don is like, mm, that's a little too much. Wins, no covers for the Suns. The Suns were struggling against the number the last two games. There, they line up against Oklahoma City. They lay seven. I think you're going to see people bet on Oklahoma City. That I think it's really going, of course, mm-hmm. depend where that number lands. But those first three games, Donnie, at OKC, home against New Orleans, and then a legit team right home against Utah. Like what that? Like is it minus two against Utah? If they struggled the first two games, could Utah walk into Phoenix a favorite in the game? The Suns are now definitely one of the most interesting second-half teams to follow. Also, follow next right here, listen up.
4: Segment of the day right here on the early line on the Switch Grid Network Sirius XM Channel 159, both myself, Danny Rightside, and Kevin Wallace carrying you through from 7 to 9 a.m. before we hand it over to the morning after and Ben Stevens for the next few hours. Now, let's take a look here. I love listen up segments. The Elam ending. Should this be used in every single sporting event? You guys gotta listen up to this. Now, I should have prefaced it by saying, not every sporting event, but how about this? Every single All Star event, and if you guys have a follow through, the Elam ending takes the clock out of the equation. So, yesterday, when we take a look at the NBA All Star team or All Star game, Team LeBron 163, Team Durant 160. Look at the first three quarters of action here 47 45, 49 46, 45 45. Not much defense, a lot of fun being had, superstars getting after it and putting on a show for the paying public. Now, the fourth quarter, which introduces the Elam ending, which puts a number on what you have to get to in order to win, which was 24 points. Obviously, Team LeBron got the 25 and picked up the victory, but an overall quarter that saw 46 points and defense and offense being played at the highest level. Sensational stuff. So the question goes, if it works so well for the NBA, why can't we moderate this into other all-star games? In the NHL, nobody plays any defense there, and it's you know two on one, three on one, fast breaks, and we understand that you know heading down the opposite way on the ice. But if you put an Elam ending into a third period where the game was I don't know nine to eight, and the winner had to get to eleven, you might get some really good hockey action. How about a major league baseball five to four game enters into the eighth inning? The Elam ending says you must get the six runs. You're losing closers, setup guys, and taking the game seriously. And maybe in the NFL, you can introduce this where the game is pathetic overall, but maybe you can clean up in the fourth quarter where teams actually want to play offense and defense and excite the crowd. Maybe football is a lost cause, but I got to tell you, the NBA All-Star Game with the Elam ending is sensational stuff and should stay there for at least the foreseeable future. But for the foreseeable future here on the Sports Grid Network, you know, you got to stay tuned for Ben Stevens and the morning after coming up because, you know, it's Monday. You know who appears for the first hour? It's your boy, Donnie Wrightside. This is the early...